uh, and I guess I need to have this conversation with Mikel Arteta more than you. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Claps, claps, claps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the We Saw the Game and You Didn't na, 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 podcast. A lighthearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and... Unfortunately, Bradley is unwell today, so we have a special guest in. Please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Dr. Death, <laughs> and I will be replacing Bradley Adams for the podcast today. How is Brad? Where is he? Is he, is he on his deathbed? Yeah, he's, he's dying right now. Okay. What, what was it in the end? No Hugh Wizzy replies or? Yeah, the lack of, the lack of love and support from Hugh Wizzy just got to him, <laughs> and he fell into a deep coma. Yeah. And is yet to recover. That's really sad. You sound a bit like him, Dr. Death. Yeah, well, I mean, I sound like him if, if his voice was pitched down about three octaves right now, but... Yeah, uh, imagine. Ma- maybe, maybe. We could be long-lost relatives, who knows? Maybe. Dr. Death, I feel like you visited me too. I don't feel very well. Well, Dr. Death visits everybody in the end. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, that really hurts. <laughs> it sounds oh. like we've both been doing too many Sean Deitch impressions. We're both very ill, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so apologies to your ears. You got to um, Neil. You what? On a wing, crossing the ball in. Just doing oh. a Sean Deitch impression. Oh, it was really good. Um, we we might have <laughs> we might have picked it up. Tell me where we might have picked it up from. <laughs> was from outside the Emirates. Oh, Why is it always nightmare. such a nightmare to get oh, mate, into? Mate, mate, it's so funny. They've just put up on their website. They're looking for like an administrator for the stewards to try and sort shit like that out. Because <laughs> of how much mate, of a fucking nightmare it was. I've only been to two games so far this season. One was the women's game against Chelsea. Um, I, I can't just say I've never seen us lose a game at the Emirates. Um, uh, no, mate, I've um, I've been going to the Emirates since I was about oh god uh, for for a while now. I've never seen us lose. I've only ever seen us win or draw. It's I'm I'm a good luck charm. We got to keep Dr. me going. Maybe Doctor Death is a good luck charm. Doctor like Death visits the opponents. You're like Aaron Ramsey when he scores. <laughs> um, do you remember that? That was mad. Anyway, I've I've been yeah I've been twice this season and both times I've been there 15, 20 minutes early and haven't got in until five minutes before. Like it. Well, we missed the kickoff. We missed the first minute fucking, or two. Like, and and maybe I'm I'm just being I don't know. Maybe I just haven't been there enough to know that that's what happens. But surely, surely, if you're there fairly early, you can get in. It just it's always rammed. Yeah, we were there at about what half seven. Yeah, it's always rammed. It's always absolutely rammed. Uh, anyway, yeah, this is all a sort of long-winded way of us saying we watched the game and you didn't. So we did. How's oh, they feel? might have watched it on um, somebody live streaming it on an iPhone. I saw that that apparently happened. There are heroes among us, Brad. There are heroes among us. I did think, why didn't we do that? But then I realised that A, I wanted to watch the game. And, yeah. B, and B, I didn't have a power bank. And also, C, uh, don't you get banned for that? I could imagine you do, but I don't know how they'd find you. Tell you what, row 11, seat 289, block 10... Right behind the girl. He can f- fuck off. He was so... Right. Oh, I, yeah. I, let's, let's discuss this. Let's actually okay. discuss this. So, listen, right. There, there is a... Uh, first serious point. Let's actually get into the podcast now. <laughs> there is a serious line at games and, and in all kinds of media, you know, online, in, in, all, in all forms of like sort of communication around Arsenal. There is a serious line between critique and being frustrated at the players which is fair enough i will be frustrated at certain players there which we will come to and actually abusing and shouting at the players now luckily i didn't hear what this guy was saying and i'm sure everyone has sat near someone this is i'm not pretending this is some kind of unique experience but some of the stuff this guy was saying i was like it was mental listen you you clearly have some issues that you need to go and work out and project onto something else Hopefully yeah, not. Yeah, you need to go to therapy. Hopefully like, not. Seriously. N- not the people at your home. <laughs> my friend Finn, my friend Finn said to me, if this is how he treats something he loves, I'd hate to see what happens at home, <laughs> which is horrendously dark. S- scarily, um, tr- scary, scarily true. Like calling them 
like I, we're not, I'm not going to use a lot of the language he was using because it was very, very bad. But calling them c words, but just long lists of expletives. And look, I'm not, I'm, yeah, you know, and nothing positive. Like there, uh, look, when we talk about the game, you'll see kind of that there wasn't. I don't think a great deal to talk about positive about the game, but even when we were scoring, there was still like, and everyone gets frustrated, but there, there's levels to it. Like there's a few times where like me and you were getting frustrated with Martinelli not making certain runs or people not feeding Martinelli quick enough. And we literally get up and be like, pass the ball. And obviously the players won't be hearing it because there's about 500 people between this guy and the pitch. And thank God. But genuinely, if that's how you support your team, and I'm, I'm going to be, be massively contradictory in the conversation that we had before. If that is how you're supporting your team, just fucking do one, mate. It's a privilege to go to the grounds. Don't sully the ground with that type of behavior in front of children as well. Like you are embarrassing yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like the kids weren't in the family section and I'm not excusing it, but like there's a part of me that's like, well, if you're not in the family section, yeah. But also he should not have said that like it, it like some like and this is the thing i think one of the most interesting parts of this game was i was sat in a place uh, i never really sat before watching the game uh i was sat around people i never sat around before and from it was basically from a very very different perspective and it reminded me that how many different ways you can watch arsenal mm. and that this guy like these people do exist and do con- yeah. contribute to the fan conversation and are part of those conversations yeah. online when their whole modus operandi is to is to basically abuse the club and abuse the players to get their own frustrations out. And I think it is important to remember that when when you like sort of take fan opinion into account because you're like, these people do exist and it's mad. And I'm like, I don't understand why would you support a game? Why would you support a team when this is the way you, you treat? I don't know. Like, And I appreciate it's not particularly... Mate, it's unique. a game of fucking football. Like, look, I get pissed off when we lose or when we're not doing the basics or the basics of football or we're not playing well and and kind of things like that, right? Everyone does because we just want our team to be successful. But there are levels to this. Like, I'm not going to... It's... it's it, it's shocking. It is, it is... It was genuinely shocking. And there were a few moments where, you know, with me, Finn and you were looking at each other while this guy was carrying on. And it was just uncomfortable to listen yeah, was, over really... and over and over again to a man that probably just can't kick a football, trying to tell professional footballers how to... Look, listen, everyone's an armchair manager. I play football manager for fuck's sake. I've, everyone thinks they know what the best idea is. And that's why mediums like this exist. We started a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, literally, this yeah. is why mediums like this exist. So we can give our opinions as to how we think we should be going moving forward. And we can talk about current events, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, one thing I will never do is like judge a footballer for certain moment like like I, I we can barely kick a football in comparison to what these guys do in front of 60,000 people every week yeah. so yeah. it's ridiculous the level of of abuse and criticism and I, I mean I said this as a joke mainly because I'd want it to be me but I would love one Premier League fixture every season for every club they have to pick someone from the crowd to come out and play because you would see, you would see how good these people actually are versus the Sunday league wankers that go to the game. Yeah. I think, you know, it's partly because football is such like a kind of accessible sport that people th- do think that. And you like, look, there's a difference between critique and criticism and abuse. And there's a, mm. there's, there's a, I say it's a thin line. This man walked all over that, especially when, you know, not that this is the point. What he was saying was total bollocks. Like it was like, he <laughs> was like asking them to like, he was like, kick it long, kick it. No, don't do that. And also, which comes yeah. on to my word of the, which oh. also comes on to my word of the game. It's against fucking Wimbledon and the Carabao Cup. Let's chill out. Let's calm down. My word of the game is. There's one, th- wait, wait, wait. Before we get onto that. Why are you yelling shoot when Thomas Party has three men in front of him and the ball's literally going to get blocked away? There's no point. Please use your brains. Use the tiny brains you have been gifted and understand that not every time you're in front of the 18-yard box is a good opportunity to shoot. You're moron. Or Dr. Death will visit you. 
Um, yes. Yeah, my word of the game is is eh. just because. So, like, I enjoyed the the match. Like, it was a fun experience and stuff. But I thought, from a more kind of macro Arsenal perspective, it didn't feel as though anyone really took their took their opportunity. I think it was a lot of people, the likes of Leno, the likes of Cedric, the likes of probably holding Amari. Am I going to go ahead and name the whole team? Probably not Tavares. I think he understands where he is. Uh, obviously, party's first team. People like Martinelli, Lacazette, certainly, and Ketia. I'm literally just naming the team here. All of the people, there was a lot of people playing who I felt have positions to vie for, have positions to play for. Or and- new contracts to earn themselves elsewhere. You know, Lacazette and Ketia coming up to their last six months looking for moves away. Yeah. Need and, to be and, impressing and, in the moments they get. Yeah, and Leno as well. And yeah. I, said, I said to you before the game, you know, I don't really believe in the kind of shop window element of these games unless you're getting a run of games, at which, which point I, I kind of understand. But I, I just felt really kind of frustrated that this game didn't didn't feel like a an opportunity taken by many people. I thought individually Leno was kind of the same as always, sort of a bit slow. Uh, he looks quite small in the goal um, com- and compared to Mari and holding and I appreciate it's a bit of a soft factor and doesn't really affect his goalkeeping much. You could be five foot 11 and be a great keeper, but the, the, I don't know. He just doesn't, that, that sort of confidence and energy doesn't seem to be transmitting off him, which may be fair enough considering he's just been dropped, but, you know, wasn't releasing the ball quick, quickly enough. Didn't feel like he was claiming from crosses and we know these things, but, you know, watching Aaron Ramsdale, surely he's thinking, oh, right, what I need to get in this first team is communication, claiming crosses, being dominant, uh, you know, transmitting that energy being to the vocal. crowd and, and of being vocal and doing the things that Ramsdale's doing. So on like Martinelli, you know, we sat there, uh, we were sat uh, just behind the goal, and in the second half, it was palpably clear that there was a, the between the left back and the left centre back, there was acres of space that Martinelli was not doing any outside to in runs. He was not telling Cedric where he wanted the ball. His movement had to define what where he wanted the ball from the midfielders and from the, and from the defence, and he wasn't doing that. Mm. And you know, I appreciate maybe he was on either side. He was on the right hand side. Maybe he's more of a left winger. But yeah, I just thought generally like no one really sort of took that opportunity and it was it was frustrating. I think and kind of both of our words of the day feed into each other. Mine was kind of, I think boring is the best way to describe it because at the end of the day, we're playing AFC Wimbledon and I think 3-0 flatters us seeing as we only got to 3-0 when, when Saka and Smithrow came on you know, two people who are pretty much mainstays in our first team. And it took those two to really change the game because they have energy, drive, they're alert, and they they want to win. There is there is an urgency with their play. Uh, like you, I think that there is a conversation to be had about Martinelli in the sense of, I think put, what putting him out on that right does is turn him into more of a creator because he doesn't have much of a left foot. So he stops running those inside channels that we saw Saka do when he came on, which led to pretty much both of the goals. And he hits the byline a bit more, tries to clip balls in or crosses in or kind of dribble round. So I have a bit of sympathy for him. I think he had an okay game, especially especially defensively. One thing that I noticed from, from watching the whole game, especially kind of having the first half with... Um, Leno in front of us and kind of our goal in front of us was how defensively astute Martinelli is, how hard he presses, how good he is at winning the ball back for us. But I think the main disappointments do come from those peripheral players. Enketia scored, yes, but there were a few moments where too many touches before releasing the ball. There was a moment where he dribbled inside the box and he should have shot way, way earlier, but then took two or three more touches and the opportunity was gone. There was no bite. There was no real, you know, we, we spoke about making the wrong final pass against Burnley. What this game feels like was nobody cared about making the final pass. There was no attempt to make that final pass. It felt a bit lackadaisical at times and like we always knew we were going to win. None of the peripheral players really cared about trying to make an impact. And I think that's worrying and that's why you will see the likes of Lacazette, maybe Enketia. Um, definitely, you know, there's rumours that Leno might be sold in January. Um, that's why you'll probably see a lot of them move on. People like Cedric Suarez, who, you know, 
you have to see in person at a game to realize how bad a footballer he is. Like, yeah. at, at this level, every single time he got the ball, the touch was over here, over heavy. Yeah. Um, four or five times he ended up just pushing the ball out of play. Our friend's partner, Maisie, turned to me at one point and said, number 17, rubbish. Never seen yeah. never seen a game in her life. Never seen a game in her life and knew he was rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> that, t- just, that tells you, mate. That tells that you. That really tells you the level that he's at. So I think it one one thing that this game shows us is how far one, how far the first like the squad has come. Because we have gotten some improvements in, you know, Nuno Tavares was a great light. I thought Lakonga had a decent game. There were a few moments defensively where I think he could improve. Party's great. I think he could improve. <laughs> but um how far the squad overall does have to go. We have too much dross. Cedric needs to be moved on. I think it's time for Enketia to go get first team football, either at the top of the championship or the bottom, bottom of the Premier League. Lacazette needs to be moved on. You made a great point when we were walking home about Lacazette in that he can only do two thirds of the game. He can either drop deep and facilitate and link up play, but then he can't get into the box or he can be in the box and and kind of poach, but he can't do anything else. He's constantly either doing one thing or the other, which is why at, at times he was in central midfield and we were, you know, there were people behind us and even us like screaming at him to run because the opportunity was on, but there was just nothing coming from him. Um, and I think, you know, this game is part and parcel of a bit of a reality check of, okay, the squad is improving slightly, but it's still got a long way to go when it comes to these backup options. A long way. Yeah, definitely. And and if you look at that team, it's not far off our, you know, sort of not starting eleven, but certainly a lot of the some players of who were there, were, you know, some of them were playing for us Leno, you know, last season. Holden and, and Mari. Yeah. Played a lot of yeah. minutes last season. And, and you realise the drop off when we get when we get our players back and when we get, you know, new players in. Um which is, you know, positive in one way that the, the the sort of the talent floor is raising, but then you, you kind of see the the drop off. This Lacazette thing, I don't really like this narrative of sort of there's a you know, and, and maybe we've sort of mocked him before around the sort of the meat sweats and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I, I think you know it, it, it kind of can be funny, but at some point, I sort of think I sort of feel sorry for him, and not not in a. You know he's a professional football player. He's played a, paid a lot of money. But if it came out, he's that paid one hundred and eighty grand a week. I have no sympathy for him at all. Okay, but if but if Lacazette came out after after his career and said I was really struggling mentally, or I was really struggling with an injury that persisted for three four years throughout the end of my Arsenal career, I would not be surprised. That man is not physically ready. I watched a game. No. Uh, I watched a, a clip of him scoring from twenty seventeen the other day, and he was running. And it was like a different player. It was bizarre. He doesn't do it. He doesn't run. And I, you know, I, 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 I can think of every possible reason under the sun. Is he not match fit? He's missed two games or whatever. Ultimately, you know, not being match fit doesn't mean you can't complete one sprint in a game. You know, you can complete one sprint. You're a professional football player. You're training every day. So I don't know. I, I feel, I feel saddened by the Lacazette situation because I think there's probably mm. something we don't know. Because Maybe. I, I, tr- I, refu- I refuse to believe that a player putting out his physical output is at 100% fitness and fully comfortable with his body. I don't believe it. No, I think there's probably something that's happened to his, you know, he's had knee problems in the past that's just meant that he he now has lost his agility, his ability to run really. And uh, that's, a that, you know, that is sad and a real shame um, for a player at Leon that showed such promise. You know, I was so excited when we signed him. Yeah, um, I, I think I remember talking to you about it in our uh, drama school. Yeah, it was it was really exciting. You know, it felt like we'd finally gotten a striker who had the opportunity to to kind of push us up a level. You know, um, and also also on that signing a Bamiang in that January after. I don't know. I just think there's 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 a story here, and I don't yeah, know what it is. But I very, think it will come there's out something that's that we probably don't know about, which is which is. Which yeah, which could be true, and it also could just be that he has lost his pace because of an old knee injury, and uh, he wasn't the player that we thought he was going to be. So we signed a Bamiang. Yeah, doesn't have to be sordid or you know or or scary. It could just be that. It could be. It could be anything. It really could be anything. Um, 
but uh, yeah, like you say, it, it does show the drop off and how much we we need to still improve the squad. There is still a long, long way to go. We have four right backs, of which I'd probably be comfortable with one and a one and one and a half of them maybe playing Tommy Asu, and then yeah. maybe either Chambers or Maitland Niles at a push. Yeah, you know I that's think, that's telling of the fact that we have four right backs at the club. And if our main one gets injured, I'm like, ooh. I was making facial uh, expressions then for a, for an audio podcast, by the way, listeners. So sorry. Very good. Very good. Uh, good. I thought um, on the more positive stuff, I thought it's good Let's that go. Party got his got his sort of sixty minutes. Um, you know, sort of. I think I think it's called like a bounce game, um, which I appreciate. And you know, there's there's lots of kind of sports science reasons which I don't understand mm-hmm. for why it's better to just keep playing. Makes sense to me. So, and they understand more than me, so I'm not going to criticise them. Yeah. Um, Ali thought... requested to play as well, which is I think is important. Yes, I heard that. Uh, Tavares caught the eye. I thought. Um, I no think right he's got shots from 85 yards out. <laughs> well, I thought he. He has all the physical tools, and we've known this for a while. You know, Tavares has the physical tools, um, and he has the energy, he has the burst, he has the mm. the desire to get there. And I think if he can be shaped, if his ta- the tactical side of his game, if the technical side of his game can be worked on, I yeah. think he could be a, a fantastic player. And you know, I don't hate the option of Tavares in tough games. Tavares at left wing, you know, why not? Like, I, and Tavares and Tini down the left hand side. I think, you know, let's put it this way: he's not a fullback. But I think he no, can he's, a, he's like a left midfielder. He can certainly play that. Who plays left? He, he, do you know what? It's like Maxwell Cornet. Maxwell Cornet in the Burnley game doesn't play left back, but is just at left back. Yeah, just a, le- a left sided player. Yeah. Um, I thought Sambi Sambi did well, um, wriggling out of some spaces mm. um, and, and knocking the ball off here and there. Maitland Niles had a quiet game, which was a shame because I thought he was decent when he came on against Burnley. Yeah, yeah, he was he was he was fine. Uh, I mean, really, the stars of the show were Saka and, and Smith Rowe, but we, we oh. kind of know that, which is why my 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 word of the game is here. Because it's like, well, we know, we know these guys are great. It was an opportunity to learn something and we learned nothing. Yeah. And, 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 and the biggest thing for me, you know, Smithrow comes on and he quickens up our play. Well, we know that. Yeah. Saka comes on and he takes people on one-on-one. Uh, when we come to the Spurs preview, I think that's something we can look at. Um, you know, he, he, and he runs those, in, he makes those inside channel runs uh, and he, you know, basically shows Cedric where he wants the ball and it leads to, uh, I think, yeah, well, I think Saka's involved in the build-up for both goals. At least in some way, if not kind of a bit more, um, not by physically touching the ball sometimes, uh, literally, I mean, he does for the for the Smith-Rowe one. Um, but the second one, I think, is more about the run that he makes that really yep. opens Creating up space. that space yep. really yep. well. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I don't really have much to say on the game. I thought it was it was, it was was fine. <laughs> it was fine. It was okay. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. You didn't a game miss that... much if you didn't watch it. You really yeah. didn't. Yeah, yeah. It it just wasn't particularly edifying. Um, and it was a good experience. It was it was a fun fun day out. And you know, always lovely seeing. We got to guys, have a conversation but, uh... about a few interesting ideas about how we think cup games should be played. And oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's do. We've got we've got time. Do that. Should we do that? All right. Yeah. T- tell them your idea. Okay, so listeners, my idea was. Uh, if you play any team two leagues below you, you should automatically play at their home ground, mainly because of the, the the influx of money that would bring to like, imagine if we played at Wimbledon, you've got say a thousand Arsenal fans traveling to the game, the money that that would bring into the club and, you know, in, in, in you know, turnstile fees, but not only that, but then like food, money and all that kind of stuff. But then also... If you are playing a team like that, they get rights to stream the game. If it's not being streamed elsewhere, like BT Sport or blah, 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 they get automatic rights to stream it on their website and, and anyone can pay a fee to watch it. Uh, just, just as, cause we were talking about grassroots football and as an idea to get money back into the lower leagues of football, it seems strange that we were the home team last night, seeing as I think it would have, it would have aided Wimbledon a bit more if they were and all of our fans traveled down there, but I don't know what you guys think about, uh, email in, yeah. let us know. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the only, the only possible downside to that is the fact that they wouldn't get to play at those stadiums. But I mean, I'm sure the likes of AFC Wimbledon's kind of hierarchy would appreciate, you know, imagine a million, 
imagine, say, even just a million Arsenal fans paying five pounds to watch the game on on wimbledonfc.com which would probably Literally crash five million pounds. you know it, it would it would be it would be incredible you know so um yeah i right, listen brad get you in a boardroom mate my burnley idea this idea get me in a boardroom and get me working uh okay let's preview the tottenham game then let's do it uh, it's a big game. It's a big game on Sunday. Uh, live on Sky. Um, Arsenal at home to, to Tottenham. Um, I think it's it's strange, isn't it? Because, you know, as we say so many times on this podcast, narratives change so quickly. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a kind of Mikel's jobs on the line kind of game um, to me, particularly, uh, especially mm. after the Perma-Saka comments uh, in the week, which we'll come on to in News and Views. Um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 bizarre how quickly things things turn around, and there feels to be a bit of a, a kind of what's the word like upswell or groundswell or something of support for for Arteta in the process, even after just two one nil wins against teams that we really should be beating. So I think this is a this is a first real kind of test. I think we're in that middle ground at the moment. Two positive results have swung us over the top rather than underneath. So I can see if we have a negative result in this game, it could turn very quickly you know one thing we mentioned about the Wimbledon game when it was 1-0 was there were a few moments they never looked really like scoring Wimbledon but there were a few moments where they had the ball in our in our half and were playing some okay football and both we, we, you turned to me and we, we started talking about it but we said if they score and it goes 1-1 this turns hostile very very yeah. quickly and yeah. I think that that's still the mood around the club Any anything yeah. that goes bad we need everything to go perfectly at the moment yeah, like a 2-0 loss to Spurs on Sunday would feel very, very bad. Yeah, especially when you consider, for example, you look at statistically, big chances created in the first five games, Arsenal are on three and Spurs are on two. That's exactly the start I had, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I do think it's an opportunity. Spurs haven't won in four. Um, they're generating, they've generated an XG of 1.8 in four games. They're not in good form. I watched them against Chelsea. They're um, they're a pretty weak in the duels. They give the ball away. Um, some people say when you press them, they 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 kind of tend to give the ball away. First, I don't think Arsenal will press. I haven't noticed that necessarily, but what I have noticed is a complete lack of patterns. Like no, it doesn't mm. feel to me like any kind of um sort of what's the word? Yeah, it's sort of style or plan. Really, it feels like a very reactive plan. Yeah. Um, and and a sort of counter-attacking uh, reliance on individual brilliance, which is fine. But if then if that doesn't turn up for you, that doesn't turn up. But we do know they have Kane and Son, and you know ultimately, as much as Harry Kane it hasn't hit the, hit the ground running this season, we know we know no goals do. in the league so far. Well, let me tell you, he will get his first one against Arsenal. It's just it's inevitable. I think I think there's a huge opportunity for us here to control the game, but I. I think that Wimbledon performance, the two games against uh, Nernley and Boric, um, they've both... <laughs> Boric, Johnson. Um, they, uh, against uh, Burnley and Norwich, have been very kind of classic Arteta performances. We've controlled the game. We've looked you know, solid in defence. Mm. We've looked secure in possession. We've played some nice patterns. There's been a couple of, you know, you know, half chances, but nothing really big and not the high volume of chances that we need. Mm. And I hope as the confidence comes back into the team, as the uh, as the security comes of the players playing with each other, we'll, we'll begin to see a bit more of a kind of um, a cohesive uh, uh, sort of attacking unit. formation and attacking attacking unit. Because, and, and this is what I wanted to come on to really, I think we've got a first 11 forming. I really mm. do. I think there's probably at this point three places, I'm going to say, and, and try and justify it, um, up for up for debate. I don't think the back four's up for debate. I really don't. No. I, I, think, I, think that's, I think that's settled. Maybe Leno's got a shout, but I think Ramsdale's basically got that tied down. So I think, I think the back five essentially picks itself, maybe a question mark over the goalkeeper. I think if we're playing a double pivot, there's probably one spot available for Jacker or Lukonga, but if it's a single pivot, it's party. Erdogan plays, Saka plays, Abamyang plays, and then p- probably Pepe and Smith Rowe, depending on what, what's happening in the pivot play. So there's only really a couple of a couple of positions up for grabs. And and something we discussed at the beginning of the season without European football is was this idea of like we want say 
14 players who feel like our first team. And I think we're seeing that. And I hope, I hope in games like this, we'll start to see the benefit of that, of a team who are starting to gel um, against a team who, to be honest, look like they're starting to fall apart. Yeah. The wheels are coming off the Tottenham bus. Um, there is one thing Which to they say about... Yeah. I think there is one thing to say. I, th- I think you're right. There are a couple of places up for grabs, but uh, I read this on Twitter and I think it, it is true. If Xhaka and Leno walk back into the starting 11 of what is currently the most important game of our season at the moment. You know, this is the game that Mikel Arteta's head could ride on. If we have a bad result, it could the, the atmosphere could turn very, very quickly. After three wins and three clean sheets on the bounce, it makes a mockery of any idea of this being a meritocracy anymore. Ramsdale, if he is dropped, uh, for Leno, it destroys any idea that this team is built and based off of a meritocracy. The same with Xhaka. In our last big game, Xhaka at 35 minutes in lost his head, went flying in and got himself sent off. And in turn, we got, we were getting kind of battered anyway, but it just went from bad to worse. If they walk back into this game, it shows that Mikel has not done the amount of growing since last season that he should have. Because that was one of the biggest, biggest kind of criticisms of him last season was so many players get in the team based off of merit and could have two or three good games and then get dropped. But then you have Xhaka or Leno just fumbling and they still get picked. And now I understand Xhaka's apparently great on the training ground, but the proof is in the pudding. It doesn't matter how good he is on the training ground if he's going to go two-footed lunges in on Cancelo and then play hospital passes across the centre of the pitch. So... I think this is a this will be a really big learning point for us as kind of commentators on Arsenal and for Arsenal fans to see if Mikel has the balls uh, to not bottle it and to start Ramsdale and to start Lekonga over Xhaka. So I, I think I really agree with 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 the Ramsdale one definitely because I think there's no reason to drop Ramsdale you know you've seen what he's you've seen what he's bought and I think there's a the only option is this sort of the the well Leno expects to play number one you're going to upset him I don't care I honestly don't care that's a small club mentality small club mentality and we, we've got to get out of that we've got to get out of this idea that if we drop someone they're going to be upset or so, well that's their problem if they're not playing yeah. well enough that's their problem and we've got to get out of that mentality I think with Xhaka I will separate out what I want to happen what I think will happen <clears throat> with Jacker, I want him not to play. I want him to have to earn his place. But I think in a game against Spurs, in a game where we're going to require, we're going to require to have to dig in at points. We're going to require some leadership on the pitch, and especially with a with a, with a young team with a, an, an, an average age in the defence of what is it, twenty two, twenty three. I think he probably will play Jacker. Now yeah, but we needed that against I, City, and look at the leadership we got. No, 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 uh, mate. I, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just trying to understand it from Arteta's perspective. I think from Arteta's perspective, he's got to look at it and go, you know, he's got someone who that 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 partnership of Jacker and Party is nicely balanced, and we've seen it. We've seen it, you know, work well before. I think we're, if we're looking at Spurs' midfield, I think we can create some dominance in there. Um, I think if we play two number eights, and if Erdegaard doesn't track back as much as he normally does, we could be massively run over in there, you know, with Ndombele and, and depends who they play, might play Winks or whatever it is. But I think, you know, that if it's just party against Ndombele and Schoeberg, I, I'd be I'd be slightly concerned. Not that I think they're amazing players, it's just a, numer- a numerical thing. So I think he will play two. And then I go, right, okay, Xhaka is someone who, and, and we've discussed before, I don't think it's fair to have a player who, well, once he's in the team, he's sort of got to stay in because that's how he works. He's just got to play game by game by game. That's how you get him under form. Fuck that. You know, I've said that before. Fuck that. But what do I think Arteta will do? I think I think Xhaka will go back in this team until further notice. I, I, and, and I hate that. And I hate that. And I, and I wish it wasn't going to happen. Maybe but I just do coward. think it will. Well, uh, but and then we come to that. I don't think he's necessarily a coward. I think you've got to look yeah, at his team. Bottle, and there's, and there's, it's a bottle. It's a bottle job. Lakonga in the last three games has proved his worth. 
Okay, but I, I, hasn't I think... Hasn't put a we, foot wrong. No, and I, Brad, and you're, you're arguing with a wall. You're literally arguing the brick wall. I agree with you. <laughs> I, I think I'm looking at the reasons why he would put Xhaka in. And I think coaches look at those kind of intangibles and energy a little bit more than fans and look at that kind of, you know, who's going to be leading the team out, who, who, what experience heads have I got? And Xhaka is not the right guy go and talk to the brick wall I agree with you but I think from Mikel's perspective I think he'll look at Xhaka and Partey and Aubameyang and go those are my top guys those are my three senior professionals in that team he's not I'm sorry he's just not going to put out a 23 year old keeper a load of 22 year old defenders uh, one 29 year old in the midfield and a 30 year old up front and the rest of them kids Uh, he's just not going to do that I think he will look to experience in a game like this and in in, in an North London derby as much as I hate that like I I just Mm. think he will I understand what you're saying I just think from uh, and I guess I need to have this conversation with Mikel Arteta more than you yeah just call him up if if we're talking about leadership we're not getting any from Granit Xhaka well it depends who you define leadership and and I think Jacques, you know, ultimately we saw the squad photo this week. He's he's the left hand of, of Mikel Arteta, which indicates he's the vice captain. Whether we like it or not, he has a very prominent role in this group. And he's also one of the only senior professionals. He's 29 years old. He's someone who uh, has played well and is coming off. That is a choice though. No, yeah. We could have brought in older players. Yeah, yeah. But we absolutely we absolutely could have, but who do we have? We have Xhaka. So if we're asking, you know, what's going to happen on, on Sunday, I, I think Xhaka will play. I think we need to develop those leaders, and I think those de- leaders are developing. You know, the like you know, Arteta's saying, you know, the likes of Erdegaard is taking more responsibility, some like Tierney taking responsibility. I don't think it's a coincidence that the three players who gave their shirts away uh, last weekend, I think it was, were Ramsdale, Tierney, and Odegaard. I think those are three players who will who will have a prominent role in the squad uh, in seasons to come. But right now, you've got a group of players who are inexperienced, very talented, but need need some needs need to need to be able to look across and not see their mates from school. Do you know what I mean? They need to see people, not their mates, you know, people who who they hang out with on the weekend. They need to see people who they think are experienced and top professionals who've been mm. to international tournaments, who've captained their country. <laughs> you know, those those sorts of play. You know what I mean? I know he captained his country. It's it's a disgrace. Sh- should have been uh, should have been someone else. Shakiri. Um, should have been Shakiri. Um, at least you couldn't think of another Swiss player there. That's why I stalled. Me neither. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I I just think he will play. Whether whether we like it or not, I think the antithesis of that argument, though, is if they're looking at Xhaka for, rather than looking at their mates from school for leadership, what are they looking at? Yeah, and that's a question. That's a big question. You know, they're looking at a man who two-footed a player for the sake of it when we were two nil down against City, putting us a man down for fifty-five minutes of a game who constantly shirks responsibility when it comes to the football pitch. You know, yeah, playing and that's hostile. a big hole in our squad. It's a big, and, it's a huge hole in our squad. Yeah, I just, I and I, I do think it, it, but and I think that what we're saying also doesn't destroy the point that I made. If he does pick Xhaka and he does pick Leno, or if he picks either of them, it does in some part destroy the idea that it's a meritocracy because Xhaka has not got in that team on merit. He hasn't. I'd, I don't th- no I agree I don't think it is meritocracy I really don't think it is I don't think it ever has been really up to up to this point I think you have to I think for it to be a meritocracy you have to believe that every single player wants to fight to be in the team do you know what I mean like for that you know it, it requires everyone to buy in and I don't think we're at the stage yet where the squad is totally bought in I think there's a few mm. few people that I get the sense that you know Warning. complete conjecture, conjecture but you know, I do I do think there's a sense that there's a group of players who are in and a group of players who are out. And I think until you have a group, the whole group in and, and on board, I think it's very difficult to establish a meritocracy and you've got to st- sort of work around that. Yeah. Uh, predictions, uh, predicted lineup and prediction for the score. Uh, predicted lineup would be uh, Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, Tierney, unfortunately, Jacoparty, Pivot. Uh, I'm hoping... Smith Rowe on the left, Erdy in the middle, Saka on the right, and then Abamyang up top. Because I think Abamyang drifting out to the left hand side with Smith Rowe there could terrorise Emerson. 
uh, Saka on the right will give Regulon a, a nightmare. And then Erdegaard in the middle to help keep ticking things over would be would be really, really good. Um, I, I, I'm I not sure what that front four is going to look like. I think he might play Lacazette. I think that would be the wrong decision. Because if you play Lacazette, you have to play Pepe to get any sort of real goal threat. And I don't think Pepe is the player for this game. Uh, and then I'm going to go 2-1 Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1 Arsenal. Oh, Because uh, I think we'll score. I really do think we'll score. But I also think we'll concede. I think, I think it'll be a close game and then we might get a couple of late goals. Um, I'm going to agree with your lineup, but take Smith-Rowe out and put Pepe in. One thing I've noticed is I think we'll have Saka and Pepe on the wings and try and just do one-on-ones and take them on. I think their fullbacks are weak. I don't rate Reggie on at all. Uh, I don't rate Doherty or whoever they're going to have a right back or Emerson Royale. Don't rate him either. We've seen, we've seen, you know, what a decent winger in Zaha can do to, to, to Royale. And I think, you know, Reggie fine going forward, but I think defensively is a bit suspect. I think we're going to look at one-on-ones and see if we can get some, some cutbacks, which is why I wonder whether Lacazette might play. And that might've been a bounce game for him in the week as well. But I think probably Aubameyang will play. Um, Cause I just don't think, I don't think this is the game for Aubameyang for me personally. I think, you know, I don't see much grass in front of him. Um, but he's a Bamiang and if he you know he's often in the right place at the right time. So um mm. one thing's for sure, Brad, we will see. Time will pass. We will. We're on a linear timeline and we will see. Unless Dr. Death gets us before. Well, at this rate, probably. We'll see you. After this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a reminder, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Please do it. We're very poor. Thanks. That'll do. Uh, at I don't have harsh... the script in front of me, Alex, so I can't. I can't really? That I couldn't. I couldn't tell. At Harsh Balani, or could be Ballani, uh, considering we're talking about football. Uh, talk about Thomas Party. If he stays fit, he has the potential to turn us into a really competitive team. That's a huge compliment. I, be- I buy that. I seriously think Party is our most transformative player. And transformative mm. doesn't mean good. Transformative doesn't mean the best or the worst or whatever. It just means transformative, the word I'm saying. It transforms you, yeah. I think he changes a lot of the options that we have. Um, yeah. And I think I think he seriously changes. I think he, he wins us points with that control of the midfield. The ability to, you know, just, just have that security and glide and aura in the midfield, I think changes mm. our team hugely, especially in a young team. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's great, mate. Uh, the one, the, the only issue I've ever had with party was the age range in which we bought him in, you know, because we never, we didn't look like we were going to be immediately competitive. Uh, so to bring in a 20, was he 27 at the time? 27 year old, for big for a big fee kind of felt like oh we're going to we're going to waste some of his good years in this rebuild but sometimes you do just need that one excellent player within the rebuild to kind of push you through uh i yeah i think he's sensational mate i think he's yeah. one of the first names on the team sheet even though and it's such a shame he's had such a torrid time with injury and fuck knows why arsenal are so bad with injuries uh but yeah if he stays fit we could have a good season we could have a good season yeah yeah, I'll take your point on a kind of squad building perspective. I, I wonder, this is why I wonder whether we're going to get a prime winger or a prime striker. Um, yeah. Someone who can kind of bail us out, someone mm. who can kind of lead the line as a 26, 27 year old um, mm. in a similar mould. Because I I just can't imagine us next summer replacing, say, Aubameyang and Lacazette and and, and, and Leno. We've got our Leno replacement and I doubt we're going to, you know, unless we get like an experienced sort of 31, 32 year old, but he's not going to play. So we want some, we, we need some experience in the team. Otherwise we're going to have a very, 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 you know, mm. average age, 22, 23, which isn't enough to, to, to get you anywhere near. I don't think you can't win anything with kids. Um, so <laughs> yeah, what? No, but like I actually watched a documentary about that the other day. And the reason they did well is because they had senior professionals around them. They only bought mm. five young players in, you know, it wasn't the whole team, which we have at the moment. Uh, sort of under 23 so I think we do need someone who is of that party mould in terms of quality but also an age profile a 26 27 year old who is entering their peak properly 
um, who can kind of guide us. I wonder whether those are two signings next summer. We just splash out on a, you know, a, 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 what's Calvert Lewin twenty five, um, you know, or you know someone like yeah, that. Um, I think he will be twenty five. Yeah, and he's twenty four until he's twenty five. That's, that's how it works. Um, did you see that per Murtasaka interview? I did. Really, really good. Really interesting. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check out the Beautiful Game podcast uh, after you've subscribed to the Different Not Podcast. Um, check out the Beautiful Game. They did a really, really great interview with Murtasaka. It's it's fascinating. I think he he's really open and really honest, and I really appreciate it. I, I think a lot of the time you see interviews with footballers and people in football uh, who kind of give you uh, the, the party line and sort of go... Mikel. <clears throat> well, I think he's just stressed, mate. Maybe. <laughs> who wouldn't be? If you're getting abuse like that from Arsenal fans, are we? Who fucking wouldn't be? Yeah, I, ju- I just think there's a there's a kind of sort of football, you know, how's the game? Yeah, good. Yeah, three points. Yeah, sort of. We all know the sort of the party lines that come out. And I thought Pear was really, really open. So it's, it's a fantastic and, and a fascinating interview. Just a couple of things I wanted to pick out and discuss, I think are really interesting. Um, were the points, it was, he, he seemed to sort of refer to, and I don't know how what your, your read on it was, a sort of a points-based system with the academy, which is sort of based over three to five years where they look at the money generated by academy sales. They look at the minutes mainly in the Premier League. So like the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup don't, they, they matter, but not, not as much. Um, and, you know, sort of other things, you know, graduate opportunities and all, all this sort of mm. stuff and then sort of rate the academy. And what I love about that is that's just creates an accountability. You know, there's, there's a, there's a real sort of sense of Arsenal that I've felt over the last sort of five five maybe even to ten years of a sort of sliding scale of standards where things sort of go downhill I don't know whether that's something that came in with Mikel I don't don't know what it is but I really like there's a there's a clear and identified way of judging what the academy is doing and if the academy is performing below standard something will change and I think that kind of simple clear guidelines mm. I hope is being applied across the club in, in every level at the sports physio level at the the executive level at the um you know at the the you know I, I hope the owners are going look if we're we if we've, we've gone from eighth you've got one more season if we don't go in another up another place there'll be changes do you know what I mean it's like really simple and clear objectives and ways to improve because I think without those clear and simple guidelines of this is what we're measuring success against, I think it gets a bit, a bit murky. So I was really glad to hear just something out of the club going, yeah, oh, if we don't do this, that's not good enough. Do you know what I mean? And a really simple, mm. simple way of, way of judging that. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I kind of hope that the owners are doing it for themselves as well and then they might realise how shit they are. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, I think that there, there there does need to be some accountability for certain things. I, I don't feel like we're there yet. A hundred percent. I still think that people get to sometimes lack by the wayside and that slipping standard comes when we allow certain players to perform the way that they perform and stay in and stay yeah. in the team and stay in the squad. Yeah. You know, uh, Granite Xhaka is case in point. Yeah, and I, and, and, I, and, I, and I hope that changes. I'm glad that we don't have that in the academy because that's when you really need your players to prove their worth or you need to sell them while you can still get some money for yeah. them. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that, that's a good thing. It's a, it's a good Definitely. business model. It's a good way of working. Uh, and I agree with you. I hope it kind of goes across the board of, mm. of the club uh, when it comes to every little aspect. Uh, I doubt that it does. But that's just the cynic in me. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I take your point. I, what I do like is what sounds like a, a sort of a a integration of the academy. You know, he talked about a sort of succession planning with Edu, that Edu will look at the academy first before going to the market, which I do think is the right way around. You know, do we have someone who's ready? Uh, you know, all the academy, he said, you know, the academy coaches grade the players and think, you know, how ready they might be, you know, that sort of step up. And Ultimately, someone like Bukayo Saka, you know, we were talking the other night, he could go for £100 million. You know, that, that is the most efficient way to run your club is to have top, top, top class young players who can, you know, bring you bring you something in, you know, in, on the on the pitch, but also off the pitch and able to bring um, transfer fees in. Someone like Joe Willock, you know, that's a perfect way of running an academy, perfect way of running a football club. So it's it can be so, so helpful. Um, also an interesting point that Pear said he when he was playing... He didn't particularly feel like the academy players were ready to make that step up, which I found really interesting because I, I now look back and I, I don't know about you, but I can't think of any 
academy players, and I'm probably there's probably someone staring me in the face, who from 2011 to 2000 when did Per retire? 2016, 2015, 20 no 2017, or maybe 2018. Uh, that's a really wide range of dates. I can't think of many academy players who kind of made the impact that, say, a Saka did or a Fabregas did. I appreciate he came from La Masia, but you know that those sort of levels of of academy players. And I think it's interesting to to, to note that because obviously Pers noticed that those players don't seem ready, and he's putting that into the academy. And I think that's a really, really, really solid thing. And the, and the, and the final mm. thing is that Mikel supposedly told the board that they shouldn't lose Pear. Basically, when Mikel was leaving, or when he just left, Pear was about to retire, and he said, look, you don't, you've lost me, you don't want to lose another guy who can bring you and give you a lot, and that's when he got offered the, um, the, the academy manager role. I think that's really interesting, that Mikel had that kind of leverage, necessarily, also had that kind of confidence, had that direct line to the board, I think, you know, when we look at the sort of long-form history of Arsenal, the impact of, of Mikel, and Pear talks about it in the interview, he says, you know, Mikel, once for Marlin left, he'd only been there a year, and he was clearly the leader. He was clearly the leader of the group. I think it's an interesting thing to note, the dynamics of Mikel, you know, and what's happened before when he was a player. He went away, and how those dynamics come back, and how he's been able to seize power so quickly, you know, and become the manager from the head coach supposedly you know get get a lot of people on side get that confidence get that time and how he's done that i mean he you know there's different ways of looking at it you know is he a you know, very very impressive kind of person or is this a kind of indicator of where arsenal are that someone of Mikel's lack of experience can come in and basically just be dominating like that straight away is that is that is that an indication of where we are i just think that it brings up a lot of questions that Mikel about Mikel's influence that we've talked about before. Yeah, he does seem to have great influence at the club, which is very, very interesting. Back to the youngsters, though. I've got a list. There's a couple of names on here. You know, you think Emmanuel Frimpong. Uh, there's a guy called Oziakup. Um, Nico Yanaris. I mean, Gnabry's a big one, but obviously that... Yeah, but he went elsewhere. Went elsewhere. Christopher Olsen, uh, Tuba Akpom, Isaac Hayden... Um, yeah. it's interesting Glenn it was Kam- a sort of Glenn Kamara one big one as well that we lost uh, is Ishmael Benasser who's at Milan who's doing a very good job um, Jeff René Adelaide who's another one who we shouldn't have lost for pretty much zero great British pounds when you think we lost Gnabry um, Ishmael Benasser uh, Jeff René Adelaide three players who are now performing at uh, like in in the top five leagues to clubs for very 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 little money for the way that they can perform now is is a real mishandling but if you, they uh, none of those players really played much for Arsenal I don't think no. um, so it's probably you know the and the players that did are ones that just haven't haven't it seems that we've started playing the ones that we shouldn't and yeah. the ones that we should have have, have gone elsewhere um but on back to kind of Mikel and his influence at the club, I do think it's interesting. The one thing that I find really interesting is it's from a man that's achieved very little, um, which I think speaks to his personality. Yeah, that's what because I Because if you... Tells you a lot about someone that they can do that and they, they feel confident to do that. Some people are very overawed, as in Mikel does not have the success to use as a bargaining chip in the sense that Patrick Vieira, who who I really hope does a great job at Crystal Palace, has had a little bit of a fledgling career as a manager, but has gone into the Crystal Palace dressing room with the ability to say, I won this league unbeaten and command a certain amount of respect and authority. Mikel doesn't have that. He won what? Maybe did did he win two FA Cups with us or just the one? two or three maybe two or three I don't don't know if he was there for the third but hey ho if he was he was he won a couple of FA Cups was a part of that group of players that got battered by Bayern you know isn't exactly what you would say is um, known as like a legend of Arsenal a star of Arsenal 
he also didn't have much of a career before that meant that he he garnered a certain amount of kind of international acclaim and respect. I mean, he never played for his country. He won the UEFA Intertoto Cup. Oh, God. It was two um, FA Cups. Yeah. So I, I think it, that itself really speaks to the personality and the maybe, I mean, we don't see it, but maybe it's the charm and mm. the allure that he has behind the scenes. He might be quite a charismatic mm. man. I doubt that because uh, during interviews, he has the charisma of a carrot at some point. Um, <laughs> quite, quite charismatic carrots, I'd say. But uh, I do think it comes from maybe the... the. I mean, he's not an unintelligent bloke. I think one of the main issues with Mikel sometimes as a manager has been, I've never doubted that he might be able to do a, a, a good job with better players because of the system that he's trying to implement. But I just think sometimes you need to play to your strengths and what you've got at the club. And maybe it's his his idea of grandeurs of grandeur that have have persuaded the club to stick through this bad time until he gets his players and gets his better players and improves the level of the squad so he can prove what he can truly do. Um, but I do I do think it's really interesting that it's come for me purely from a personality standpoint and from a mm. kind of maybe vocal standpoint what he says rather than what he's done before because he yeah. hasn't really done anything before. And if you have a group of people who are kind of looking for that, you know, when there's a bit of a power power vacuum and you have someone who, you know, mm. if you're lost in the woods and someone comes on and says, hey, I, I know the way, you're probably going to follow them. You know, like, you know, it's, it takes a pretty ballsy person to go, actually, I'm lost in the woods and I'm not going to follow you. The guy who's who's just, you know, been with our pack, you know, a couple of years ago and, and, and seems to know where to go. So And I has think, just gone away to a pack to study under, you know, the best, the best woodsman around. Great, great metaphor. Um, yeah, like I, I do, I do think it's it's interesting, but I, I agree with your point that it's about that kind of p- p- powerful personality. And as we all know in our personal lives, you know, the person who shouts loudest does not know necessarily know what the truth is. Um, so no. I, I suppose things will bear out, but like I do bear woods. There's some there's some kind of joke in there. there there's I, I do think it will sort of yeah it will bear out and also. I hope we look back and go, that was security in what he knew to be the truth and he was working towards it. And we can look back and see the signposts and go, oh, when he got that player in, when he got that player in, he knew he was building this team, but it could very easily go the other way. And that's and that's the cruelness of football. It will it will kind of, it will literally, the results will define the narrative. If he, if he goes on to win titles and stuff, he's a genius. And if he goes on to miss out a couple of times, people look back and go, well, he was all right. But you know, he didn't. I've never seemed to really know what he was doing. So, I think it's also that at the end of the day, one thing that's important to notice about a manager's time in charge is have they left the club in a better situation than they found it? Whatever you want to say about Arsene Wenger, he left the club, even though we'd finished outside the top four twice, in a much better situation than he found it. Um. You look at Ferguson. Ferguson left that United squad in a in a dreadful situation. You know, there was going to be a fall-off. You look at that squad itself, it was falling to pieces. It was a miracle he managed to win that last Premier League. Really. Um, and I think the same could be said of Arteta. If he leaves, say, for example, we finished sixth this season and the Arsenal board go, do you know what? This isn't good enough. Um we want to go a different direction and they bring in, you know, we were having a conversation about Marco Rosa. Say he becomes available and they go, oh, we're going to bring this guy in who's a bit more proven. I think there is an absolute truth to the fact that Mikel will have left this squad in a better situation than when he found it. It will be more balanced with more potential and a better future going forward. I think that's just the question, isn't it? It's whether he uh, is the man to take that future forward. Yep, definitely. Definitely. All right, Brad. We've just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time I asked you, when did Pascal Saigan play for Arsenal? I don't know. I've blocked that deep out of my memory. 2001 to... 2006. You're not far off. 2002 to 2006. Fuck. Pretty good. Pretty good. 
maybe it's not so blocked in your mind after all. Uh, next question for next week is, uh, well, for Saturday, Sunday, whenever we record. Uh, can you name me three other sponsors of the EFL Cup other than Carabao? Can you name me three other sponsors of the EFL Cup that aren't Carabao? So the Carabao Cup, what's it been called before? Three others. I look forward to that, Brad. Uh, pleasure, Dr. Death. You're very welcome, my friend. You're off to work now, mate. Yeah, mate. You're working at a pizza place, so enjoy your death, death-inspired pit. What did you, did you roll the dough, or what did you do? Oh yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to boil some dough in this morning, and then I'll, I'll okay. be serving some pizzas later. Okay, wearing spluttering all over them. Okay, well, at least they'll go in the oven. That'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, listen, pleasure as always. Pleasure. And uh, we'll next be speaking after the North London Derby. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be spicy. Right, Brad. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different, knock. And we will see you later. Peace. Peace. When we're not ill. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.